Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on. Oh, look, I've got two of me. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Let me try and remove this one. Can you hear me? Good morning, everyone. I don't know if you can hear me because of my voice. This this could end uh, <clears throat> prematurely if, I, um, if my voice starts to thin out. Juby. Hi to everyone who has just joined and to the silent subs. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be a silent live at this rate. I'm going to try and deepen my voice. Hello everyone. Is this alright? For some reason I've got two boxes with me in it down the bottom. Is this coming to you? Okay. Can you see this? Can you welcome to Coffee Morning? If you're listening on podcast, apologies for my voice or lack of it. Good morning, Emma Does Life. Good morning, Ellen. Hey, Bonnie Delaney, um, Juby, Julie Hilton, hope you're all well. Um, Gabrielle says, it's miserable, rainy, and poo bums. <coughs> Can you hear me? I've got this strange technical thing happening here where I've got two images of me. But hopefully it's all fine. Thank you, Lisa Child. Thank you very much. So welcome to Coffee Moaning. Did you watch the curly cooks that turned into a mass hysteria? Um, Reese Roberts caught Dune 2 last night. Still feel like I'm on the planet Arrakis. We will have a chat about that later. Um, Emma does life feel better. Hey, guys. Anyway, okay, so here's it's the Sunday papers. We've done it the other way around today, just because Nadia is heading off to Manchester to see her buddies. Um, but I thought I would go through the papers and have a stab at uh, going through stuff with you. Um so the first thing I really, what defines protest, asks Trina Cotton. Oh, I love you, Trina. Thank you. This is, I had to pull over last night when I heard on the radio, Rishi Sunak standing outside Downing Street. And let's not forget, this is an unelected prime minister. The second, second? The second unelected prime minister um, of the, this, this, this government standing on the steps of Downing Street, telling us that, uh, you know, clearly off the back of George Galloway winning in Rochdale, feeling the need to essentially scare people. And I'm going to go, I'd be so bold as to say, what Rishi Sunak was involved last night was about mobilising a mob sensibility within an England that he see that he sees and signs up to a little bit like suella what they don't seem to have any perception of is that the language that they use in their expression of fear, fears of extremism um, and our democracy is being challenged i think what what they need to understand is a they are mobilizing a different type of mob sensibility for me a mob sensibility doesn't just have to be people protesting. I think a mob sensibility can be an attitude and a value system as expressed in the mainstream media. And I think that what he did last night, I, I was waiting for him to put some kind of specific, I was waiting for him to say, we are going to introduce a law. That, none of it. He just wanted to stand in front of the uh, uh, 10 Downing Street and scare people and mobilise his base, his grassroots base, the chattering middle classes of the Cotswolds into some kind of, oh my God, this is awful. Uh, we need to be really scared of the likes of George Galloway, 
anyone who was protesting against Palestine. Yet again, he, he made no effort to hide what I would call rampant and apparent just Islamophobia, but a complete tilting of what the actual circumstances and situation are and is. I would go so far as to say, I'm going to pull up the headlines in a minute, that when he talks about an assault on our democracy, the biggest assault on our democracy has been him and Starmer and this two-party system that completely fraudulently pretends to the public that it in some way is expressive of what the population feels or wants. It categorically isn't. And the more, the more I think politicians don't, get that, the more extreme people are going to get and feel. And I don't understand why when extremists and what one person's, and this is the thing, Trina, I think you're speaking to. One person's extremism isn't someone else's. One person's, you know, this government is using the term extremism to castigate and characterize almost any opinion that is anti them. There are always bad eggs in every single group. Most of them in every single group of football fans every Saturday. Most of them, those idiots that were mobilized by um, Suella Braverman when she put that call out and they all headed up to town to the cenotaph. Do you remember that? That seems to be conveniently forgotten. That's the only time I've really felt mob rule or mob-like kind of sensibilities was when Suella opened her stupid mouth and mobilize them. So, of course, we understand what extremism is, but this characterization of any opposition as extremism is deeply, deeply dangerous. It's as dangerous as saying to be critical of Israel as to be anti-Semitic, because what this does is it disallows any analysis, any contrary opinion, and it just slowly erodes our ability to challenge anything. What they're saying is, you can challenge us if you do it in the way that we allow you to. And let's not be around the bush. The way that they will allow us to will be the way that's utterly ineffective, utterly unheard, not seen, not spoken about, and results in no change. So, yeah, so the right-wing papers obviously love this. Rishi delivers speech that Britain needed to hear. I pulled over and got out of the car and had to smash my head against a um, against a lamppost, but a particularly sort of dangerous lamppost that had sort of, you know, molded kind of sort of, it was an old lamppost. And I went for that because I knew it would hurt my head more than anything else in the vicinity. So I stopped. I found a particular lamppost as he was wittering on, and I smashed my head repeatedly against it in despair at this total shit that was coming out of his mouth. Total manipulative propagandist shit. The reason the government, the reason the government and the, I didn't literally, Louise, the reason, which is kind of good, so it's not more for me. The reason this government and the likes of, let's have a look, no, so we got, the reason the male uh, extremists put our democracy at risk, warm, somber PM, oh, somber PM, um, democracy under threat, oh yeah, what democracy? Um, Andrew Neal, there is a growing sense that we are a country in decline, that our political masters don't know what to do about it. I fear what might be to come. What they're all scared of is that their white, 
principally white, middle class, chattering classes uh, world is coming out, is falling apart at the seams and at the edges. Not everyone signs up to their Britain, their England. This is an this is an out of date, marginalised um, England, Britain. What are they talking about? So what they've managed to do is they've managed to make uh, climate protesters. Though again, within all of these, we have talked about how the climate protesters I think have sometimes made really bad decisions, targeted the wrong things. Just as I've said that the um, pro-Palestine protesters, I, I personally, it's a personal thing, I think it's going too far to protest outside a politician's house. It's too personal. There are other people involved, there's family, etc. I think that's wrong. Just as I said that the stupid stand-up comedian who harassed everyone, this isn't about bullying. This is about protest. This is about freedom of expression. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to muddy the waters so that no other expression other than their own expression that supports and props up what makes them happy continues. And, you know, this is what's going on here. The, 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 you know, the, the, these people, these papers, these characters, Andrew Neil, their time is up. Their time is up. You know, younger people, not just younger people, but humanitarian people have smelt a huge rat. A huge number of people rat in lockdown with the COVID crisis. I don't sign up to, to many, as many of those extreme thoughts around the edges of purposeful control. What I do sign up to is that we have for many years thought people at the top must understand what they're doing. And what's become blatantly clear is they know absolutely not what they're doing whatsoever. And so these really blunt, manipulative statements and speeches um, uh, are really quite difficult to stomach because what they're doing is characterizing people who are worried about the climate and people who are worried about the genocide that is happening as we speak. A hundred people died in an aid convoy yesterday. And if you look at all of the headlines, all of the headlines, even in the Guardian, shame on you, Guardian, try to characterize it as in the crazy chaotic atmosphere. You know, People in those groups were coming back to doctors and, and medical specialists with, with holes in their heads, bullets. So more and more people, and I think this is really important to say, more and more people for very different reasons and off the back of very different triggers. So for many people, I know COVID, the lockdowns and all of that, awoke people awoke to the structures in the system. Lots of people were at was there before. You know, we did a bit. We kind of got it, but we—I I felt I characterized it much more as total ineptitude and a lack of humanity. But this crisis, the Gaza crisis, I think the reason uh, the Gaza-Israel crisis is running deeper and deeper and deeper through British politics um, is actually because I think the vast majority of people—correct me if I'm wrong—the vast majority of people are almost staggered and in disbelief at the quite obvious gaslighting and lying and manipulation of the truth and exceptionalism that exists around things like international law, not selling arms to be, you know, we, we, it's not even like it's being hidden. It's so in plain sight that it makes me scared 
that these parties and these politicians aren't aware of that. And there's no way. And, they, you know, all of, what, what was the reason for all of this? The reason for all of this is, you know, George Galloway getting in. Here he is. You know, there's Rishi, Islamist extremists and far right. Okay, well, at least you see names of far right trying to tear us apart on Sunak. You know, it's clear what he's doing. It's clear what he's doing. This government have created the most divisive community and society I think there's ever been in this country. I think at the moment, of all the periods of time I've known, it's, it's the one time one's been least, I hate pride in one's country. You know, what does that mean? You know, I, I like Englishness, uh, the nice sides of it, the positive sides of it, the quirky sides of it, the creative sides of it. But the, he represents a really horrible, and I'm, I'm sick to death of this idea that he, he trotted out in his speech. This is the most diverse government. You might have diversity, Rishi, but you don't have representation. You might have people of different colours, but they don't come from the lives of those who are really living in this country. So don't bullshit us with this diversity crocker shit, because it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Um, meanwhile, uh, here's Rishi's six-point plan. Uh, let's have a listen to Rishi's six-point plan. Um, oh. Good. Right. Least to take action if marchers support Hamas, or a designated extremist uh, terrorist group, of course. Understand that. Or if they call for the eradication of a state. Okay, on that point. Police to take action if marchers support Hamas, or call for the eradication of a state. Okay, totally right. But what should the police do if we have a government that takes no action against a state, Israel, of whom many of its leading politicians call for the eradication of another state. Okay, what, what, what do we do about that? If it's, if it's as important as it is, as he says, quite rightly so, let's, use, let's hold him to his own uh, yardstick, shall we? Um, police to take action if marchers support Hamas or call for the eradication of a state, such as from the river to the sea chant, which incidentally, the from the river to the sea chant, is chant interestingly those words are about a palestinian state some people will use them or have maybe used them um to indicate the er eradication of or, or you know desire for non-existence of israel israel has used those lines or lines similar them similar to them from israel to the sea actively calling for the eradication of palestine but no one talks about that that's a government policy it's not just a chant but when these chants are happening, they are not about, from the vast majority of people, they're not about eradicating Israel. They are about allowing for a Palestinian state. And that is a gross uh, blurring of the truth. What's number two? Is it this? New framework on extremists, including a ban on government meeting with hardline groups. What does that mean? New framework on extremists, a ban on government meeting with hardline groups. Don't know what that means. Does that mean you don't negotiate, you don't discuss, you don't talk to them? I don't know. Redouble support for the Prevent Program to stop young minds being poisoned. Now, absolutely right. You don't want young minds poisoned. You don't want grooming. You don't want radicalization. But this is where things get really difficult. And this is where we are all foul of sliding. Because look at number look at number four, too. Demand at universities stop extremist activity on their campuses. Again. 
extremism, anyone who is engaging in race hate or extremist hate, uh, uh, you know, uh, sloganing or actions, of course, it has to be called out. That is what the, our democracy is about, is protecting against hate. But the devil is in the detail because young minds being poisoned is a phrase that I can see the conservatives and politicians using to dis dismiss virtually anyone under the age of 21 having a political opinion on anything in the UK or an international political opinion on anything in Gaza and dismissing it as a young mind having been poisoned. You see what they're doing here? You see how they're slowly dribbling, or slowly, they're actively dribbling this language into our sort of common parlance, the poisoning of young minds. So if you're now a young person who feels incredibly strongly about the inhumanity of what's going on in Gaza, to the point that you need to go on a protest march, you may even chant the from the river to the sea chant, because actually for you, you understand it to mean nothing other than a Palestinian state to exist alongside Israel. You will be characterized as an extremist, you will have the police take action against you and your young mind has been poisoned. You haven't come to this opinion yourself. And why has your young mind been poisoned? Your young mind has been poisoned probably because you were on TikTok, Instagram um, and Twitter rather than reading the Telegraph. The idea that the Telegraph and the Daily Mail doesn't poison people. I think they're two of the most poisonous publications on the planet. I mean, so poisonous, I think they're dangerous. Uh, let's go back to his list. Number five, stop people entering the country whose aim is to undermine values. Okay, so you don't want to invite anyone in who's going to attack anyone in the country. Um, of course you don't. Th those rules are there, presumably. There's got to be checks and balances. You do not want to invite anyone as an extremist. But when you talk about undermine our values, I don't think my values are the same as Rishi's. And I don't think the vast majority of Britons, younger Britons, um, or non-Tory Britons, and, and a lot of people's values aren't the same as, as Starmer's either. You know, this idea that George Starmer's, you know, to Starmer, you know, ignore the Muslim vote in peril, but Starmer has ignored a huge other vote too. Non-Muslims who cannot believe his, his spineless um, ineffectitude and, and, and inability to call it. Uh, and finally, withdraw, I mean, you know, no Tory can give a six-point plan without talking about throwing away visas. Withdraw visas from any foreigners who spew hate on protests or seek to intimidate people. Well, again, of course, any hate speak, any violence, any advocacy of violence, there are law checks and balances and laws in place to deal with them. This is all hot air. This is all hot air for him to look like some kind of, uh, you know, fuckwit in control. He's not. He's not in control of anything. He has been. He's out. He's done. He's finished. He's gone. Um, but he's trying to create this kind of cultural, you know, Starmer, <laughs> Starmer chimes in on this going, yeah, I kind of agree with most of what Rishi said. It needed to be said, literally, because Starmer too is faced with, I don't think the Galloway thing is a major problem for either of the parties. I think it's refreshing because I've only, only today I saw an interview with Galloway by Sky News where it was, I don't know about anyone else. I, I've said yesterday on Coffee Morning, I'm not an enormous fan of the man. I, I think he's too self-aggrandizing. I think it's about him. But when he talks, he talks the talk, George Galloway, and he made mincemeat of this reporter. Uh, he says what we all want to say about Rishi and Starmer. And thank you know, I think this is what British politics needs. British politics needs people to be able to talk properly, for real, without this party speak shit. 
I don't think Galloway's a problem because I think there was such a sort of unusual scenario in Rochdale where the Labour vote buckled, they didn't have a candidate, there was all of that sort of to, to you know, doing a So I think it's a one-off. I don't think we're going to see lots of independents, lots of pro-Palestine people voted in. I just don't see it at all. But what I do think is going to happen is the government, which is going to be Labour, I don't want them running out. You know, these two governments need to stop and think because they are not as supported as they like to think they are. What a load of asses. Um, stop taking Muslim votes for granted. Starmer warned after chaotic by-election. You know, don't worry, Muslim votes, of course, don't take them for granted. But don't take for granted people like me, people like my mother, people like Nads, people, you know, people who would vote Labour, young people, you know, lots of youngsters I've spoken to who would have voted Labour are not going to vote, and non-Muslim. The vast majority of young adults who uh, would have voted Labour uh, aren't because of the... Uh, reluctance and slowness and inability of the Labour Party to hold Israel to the same standard as we all held and, and continue to, uh, Hamas and, and what happened on October the 7th. You know, you can't just keep saying because October the 7th happened, you keep killing an entire nation and starve them and shoot them when they come for food. You just can't. I haven't heard, a, I haven't heard anyone comment on it. I haven't heard a single major politician comment on this has anyone heard a politician talk about the massacre or the death of the uh, palestinian seeking aid i i haven't heard anything i haven't heard a thing sorry i'm just checking uh, i never listened to, yeah i'm oh, sorry i just saw what you you pre i didn't wasn't too sure what was going on there Tiggy and Brett, you seem to be having a bit of a row. Try to keep it, try to keep it nice. Um, okay, uh, so moving moving past all of this, which just, uh, you know, um, Israel faces, oh, look at this. Israel faces rising pressure from who? To investigate more than 100 deaths at food aid trucks. So once again, once again, let's stick with this. How do we find out if Israel has conducted illegal acts of war who this is the first question this isn't the bbc quiz i want to ask the question who does the white house the american government and the british government turn to to find out or verify whether israel has behaved badly come on give it give us the answer guys <coughs> it's curious it's curious who is the who are the only people that are allowed to tell us if israel has done anything illegal or committed anything that could be potentially described as a war crime. Um, let me just think about this. Who do they, who do they, oh, I know who, Israel. So Israel faces rising pressure to investigate more than 100 deaths at food aid trucks. Okay, well, that's probably the last day we'll see that headline then, because that will fade away until the next story no Western politician engages with. They were quick to engage with Ukraine, but they won't engage with this. It's, it's, I think the part of it that depresses me is how transparent it is and how willing you, the present company, majority of the present company, ex, uh, you know, accepted. Um, how the majority of people don't seem bothered by it. 
and what I mean by don't seem bothered by it, I can understand if you don't have any vested interest in in the region, you don't have family connection, you don't have a cultural connection, you don't have a historical connection. We have we have extended family members who were removed from Palestine or forced out of Palestine uh, way back in 1948. Um, I can understand that it doesn't speak to you in that way, but if you, any journalist, anyone with an inquiring mind, and I find it really disappointing when I talk to people who are in the media, friends or, or colleagues or ex-colleagues who aren't engaged. And I say, it's not about not being engaged necessarily in the intimacies or the emotions of the story. I get it. You might not have that personal emotional investment. I get that. I understand that. But if you are refusing steadfastly to look at what the implications of the coverage or lack of coverage or the manipulated coverage of it means, then you are not really a journalist. and You're not really into the media. You're a self-serving careerist or whatever. You're not, you're not interested in what actually makes it right. I mean, lots of people often say as a kind of quick comeback, oh, head over to Gaza. You know what? I'm seriously toying with the idea that when and if we ever get to a place where Gaza is, you know, it stops, uh, international kind of, I don't know, an international peacekeeping force of some form is in there. And if there's any attempt or effort with a sort of shared government, so you're not going to have people like, um, is it Rachel Corey in the 80s, 90s? You know, people from the West get picked off by sniper fire. I mean, I don't want to be shot. I would more than, I would immediately go over there and help, help them in any way I could to stand up their own kind of media outlet or some kind of filming capacity or something. Because, you know, obviously, you know, people say, go out there now. Egypt won't let you in. Egypt, spineless. Uh, Israel won't let you in. Outrageous. You know, so you can't get in. I mean, many journalists, uh, John Sopol was on LBC this morning. And he said, um, he said, you know, he's one of many letters. Many journalists have signed a, a sort of petition requesting of Israel that they're allowed into, and Egypt, that they're allowed into Gaza to cover it. But no one's allowed in. Why? Why is that? I mean, it doesn't, does it? Why did no Why did none of the journalists I know talk to why do none of them think that that's not significant in and of itself i.e what does it tell you that's the part of it that just slowly it's like death by a thousand cuts just removes your belief in any news that we are given it's self-serving and so the jitteriness and on it's great the jitteriness on the front of all the papers today then Rishi Sunak came out and said all of this. There's a fear. There's a fear that the system that suits them, but suits virtually no one else, other than if you just can't be bothered to think about it, which is fine. And a huge number of people can't be bothered to think about it. But if you think about it for a minute, it suits them. They don't want their system removed. That's why the two-party first-past-the-post system exists. Everyone who gets into politics and gets it gets to the uh, you know Westminster, they're doing it for them. Very few of them doing it for people. There are some, not many, not many. So there we go. Uh, okay, let's move on to the lighter stuff. So I've just got to... Uh, uh, thank you. Okay, moving on, moving on. This is sad news. This is the actor Ian Lavender. Uh, he's been laid to rest, Private Pike. His trademark Aston Villa scarf on. He was the last remaining cast from uh, Dad's Army. Very sweet. 
yeah, he was always young. He was in so many other things, wasn't he? So family and friends say goodbye to Dad's army star. Um, you know, time, time seems so much more innocent than me. I suppose holding it all to the same standard as what I've just said. <coughs> Maybe we were all just fucking stupid back then. But, you know, very sad, very sad news there. Uh, this is the tragic story of this um, lady, Gabriella Windsor's husband. I don't know if you saw this story last week. It was There was the suggestion it could have been connected with Prince William's cancellation of, uh, you know, when he pulled out of the event. Uh, this is Thomas Kingston, son-in-law of Prince and Princess Michael of Kent. Uh, they say that a gun was discovered, discovered near his body. Um, clearly a tragic incident is suggesting suicide. Again, speaks to, you know, suicide knows no class, uh, no sort of set of circumstances. It's mental health, mental health, mental health. Just because people appear to have all that they you think you would want or they should have doesn't mean you shouldn't have compassion. That must be tragically sad for their family. Um, the Rust story, this is curious one. This um, We covered this extensively. Uh, the Weekly Rush is, is going to come back. It's just incredibly <coughs> pictorially time-consuming. I'm hopefully uh, going to be talking to Gabby about possibly working with me on helping to edit that because it's nice, the movie news each week, which is incredibly. Um, anyway, Alec Baldwin, we covered this a lot on Weekly Rushes last week. Uh, this is the continuation of a new lawsuit against the armourer. This is the story of, you know, the cinematographer who was accidentally shot and killed by Alec Baldwin. Uh, there, it's been said that a court was heard. Alec Baldwin waved a gun like a pointing stick on the set where Alina Hutchins died. Um, this is, uh, you know, it's, yeah, this is a, a further case, which I think is being brought against them by the, by the state. Uh, there's a real desire for someone to be held accountable somewhere. Um, Royal Mail sticks 10 pound stamps. My God, £1.35 from April and second class will be 85 I'd, You know, fair dues if your letters get there on time. But do letters get there on time? They don't really, do they? Uh, sorry, Julie Wiggly, I'm not too sure. This has approached in the car, I saw the flag, but just one Julie Wiggly. Uh, 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 uh. I live in Derby. It was on the spike bridge. Big spider. Oh. Okay, I'm, cr I'm, I'm crashing into the cross conversation. Royal Mail stamps. Does anyone still send letters? Ginger tea coming in after this. Absolutely. It's actually helping. Have you not noticed? It's kind of got better. But yeah, the, a Royal Mail stamp with good old Charles's profile will cost one thirty-five for April. Um, Pitt, yeah, there's stories everywhere. I don't know what you guys think about this. I feel for Jerry Halliwell. I really do. Poor thing. With this whole, this is the whole Formula One Red Bull thing. Obviously, the son uh, kind of mashing up the lyrics of a Spice Girls song. Pit stop right now, as you can see. Pit, you get it? But stop right now. Um, yeah, you know, I think fine and easy to kind of just everyone... It's just talking about these texts. He was cleared. He was seen. It was, they say that he hadn't done anything untoward or said sex, sex or sexual things. Um, but um, uh, sexual sexual texts to a work colleague. But but then there was a huge dumping, wasn't there? A data dump or, or leak of some of the texts he sent, which has kicked it all back into the air. I, I just feel for poor old Jerry Alliwell and the whole thing. It's never nice, is it? Um, 
over for. Uh, sad. We'll never really know. We'll never really know what's going on there. Um, hottest February in England and Wales on record. Okay, let's get to nicer stuff. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, sorry. Let me just. Uh, um, the hottest February in England. Blossom has uh, blossom has emerged everywhere. Does this mean? Okay, here's the question for gardeners in the house, and we have got a treat coming, uh, which I'll try editing later today. Um, what is February in England and Wales on record? Does that mean we're all going to be late gardening? Does that mean it's all going to have? I literally I've looked over there and there's a clematis in full flower, and we have, mum, you we haven't mum nanny died. We haven't stepped out into the garden. Well, we have once, but that's to come. It's frightening, isn't it? Hottest last month was the warmest February on record, seven point five degrees. This is sad, sad news. Peaky Paul splits with lover. This is the story of Peaky Blinders actor Paul Anderson. Uh, he was arrested for smoking crack in a pub. Um, he's now split up with his partner. Tragically sad um, addiction. Uh, bless him. He he says it's all part of character, character sort of research methoding, if you like, his engagement with drugs. But of course, there's talk of a of a Peaky Blinders movie, um, but this is his role in that question. Such a shame because he's such a strong defining part of uh, of Peaky Blinders, isn't he? Um, this is a funny story. This one. I don't know if you remember. There was a Channel Four. A series where they're trying to find virgins. I did a very funny headline where they, they couldn't find any, couldn't find any virgins over a certain age to, to be in the show. Um, but look at this, Mummies and Duddy, the new dating show, which we love. My mum, your dad. They can't find any viable, attractive, middle-aged men. Um, there aren't enough DILFs, as they call them. What does DILF male mean? Daddy, daddies? Ooh, dads, I like to, you know what? Uh, hit ITV dating shows struggling to find attractive middle-aged men. Abusers have been swamped by female applicants, um, but they don't have any men who fit the bill. <coughs> oh, poor women, poor poor producers. If you know anyone, get them to contact. The dilfs are all taken, says Good Ship Lollipop. There you go. There you go. And it's a shame as well, isn't it? Some of the ones that came out of the show that we enjoyed. Um, you know, they, 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 it didn't work out for them, did it, in, the, in their relationship? Uh, what have we got next? Bottle of the sexes. This made me chuckle. Mum, if you're watching, any time, maybe I'm responsible. Yes, we're going to do the puberty quiz of the week. Mum, maybe I'm responsible for your alcoholism. Sons push parents to drink, apparently. Raising sons drives parents to drink more than if they had daughters. Uh, parents of boys are found to be more unhealthy than girls' moms as they hit the bottle more often, hate more junk food, and smoked more. Just to get away from them. Would you, any of you agree with that in principle? <laughs> Mums of boys? Oh, Faith, you did it. Aqua aerobics, you're back. Well done, you. I have a very, very serious 15 minute. I, I think rant is always like, it means you need me to dismiss it. I just had a good old moan. <laughs> um, what about daughters, Faith Goodman? Well, interestingly, they, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say 
The study using 18 years of family data revealed that boys' parents consumed 0.7 alcoholic drinks a day versus 0.6 for girls. But yeah, it's one of those fucking, it's one of those surveys that means to do that vaping significantly affects sleep and anxiety in young. I only pop this here importantly because it could be why your kid isn't sleeping properly. Um, once again, vaping clearly becoming a more and more dangerous thing that just doesn't fit in with any part of modern life. Um, uh, this story had a massage, done my yoga, so who's taking me up Everest? I think it's really depressing. You know, base camp at Everest is like a it's just a shit show, isn't it? It's just it's like a tourist trap. Um, I mean, I'd be amazed if there wasn't a Greg's, Greg's at Camp Everest. So for hardened and grizzled explorers who care about balancing their chakras, there's bad news. From next year, they may no longer have access to a yoga tent at Everest Base Camp. Neither will these rugged mountain men of the mountains be able to rely on a queen-sized bed. The Nepalese authorities have said they're cracking down on the Everest Base Camp sprawl. Apparently, you go up Everest, it's just, it's litter city. There's just shit everywhere. Terrible, isn't it? How everything becomes commercial. Everything. Awful. Uh, continuation of, I don't know, you might have seen them on Good Morning Britain. The Oompa Loompa strikes back at the uh, lacklustre Wonka experience. A poor woman there. She makes the point that Nadia made, which is poor performers that were hired when they got there. And realised what an absolute shit show it was. Possibly doing the only... They were probably the only people they're trying to make it an experience worth having. Um, the staff did their best, they say. Uh, Patterson, yoga teacher, said that she was shocked. I remember on Friday when I went in, it looked like that. I kind of thought to myself, surely they must have people working throughout the night. How would I describe it? It was like, it was tablecloths and a bunch of Ikea mirrors. <laughs> Solved Titanic. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. No, I'll do that story. Solved Titanic raft riddle. The prop that is the raft that they, they someone's measured it. The prop, um, and apparently this 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 means it can answer it can answer that question. As it says here, the frustrated audiences have never been able to let go of. In the iconic scene, Jack freezes to death. Audiences have repeatedly debated the film's ending. Uh, even producing recreations of the prop to demonstrate that they both could have survived. Uh, the director, Cameron, has previously defended the scene, saying the raft would have sunk beneath the weight. But now we can see it for itself. He didn't need to die. Sometimes the fictional world is... It's a weird thing about film props, isn't it? They are props, but they almost have a... They have a sort of magic quality that's better than the real thing. A bit like crack. I shouldn't say that, sorry. Um, yeah, no, you're right. The uh, Willy Wonka experience looked like a meth lab. Oh, what's this one? Yeah, solved. Who rates all the pies? I like Ian Wright. Ian Wrighty, he rates all the pies. Arsenal legend Ian Wright spent years having defenders for breakfast, and now he can have them for lunch. Uh, he was so impressed by the grub at Willy's Pies, he's created Uncle Wrighty's Roast Chicken Sage and Onion Pie. Just saying... In fact, I don't know for anyone else, just saying the sentence, Uncle Wrighty's roast chicken sage and onion pie has made me want to eat my own stomach with hunger. They thought I'd be dead by now. Oh, where is it? Uh, sorry. Oh, no, not that one. Oh, oh, where's this one? Oh, I didn't get it. 
They thought I'd be dead by now. The record breaker. Hang on, let me pull this up. This is amazing, this. I can't believe this. Obviously, you didn't take the photo. No. They thought I'd be dead by now. The record breaker in a 34,000 Big Macs. Kid you not. Don Gorski did not have many people on him living to his 70s. Um, he's in the Guinness Book of Records. Uh, Gorski's love affair with Big Macs when he had his first on the 17th of May, 1972. Uh, he started, at one point, he was eating nine a day. Nine Big Macs a day. He's eat, he, throughout 2023, he ate 728 Big Macs, just below two a day making his grand total in his life to 34,128. He said, when I like something, I stick with it all the time. I'm a bit of that. I remember saying to my nan once, I really like parrots. It was a huge mistake. People who've watched me eating a Big Mac often comment that I look like I'm eating one for the very first time. Actors aim for that all the time. The idea of it being the first time you've done something. Quite something. Uh, okay. I've just done that, sorry. Filet fish, Trina Cotton, my first girlfriend, Jane. We all love Jane, don't we, Zoe? She loved a filet of fish. I like to eat in a filet of fish too. I find it quite saucy. <laughs> no, I do. I, I, it's weird. I, I associate, I think we must have had, maybe we had a McDonald's the first day, you know, uh, because, you know, I think of a filet of fish, I can't get it. Yeah. I think we all know what I'm talking about. Um, sobering thought, no booze, clubbing for Gen Z. I, I, you know what? Does anyone else think this is true, that Gen Z doesn't drink? Do you have Gen Zers in your life? MeTube, you have a happy meal every week, do you? Not that detail. I want one. I lost interest in happy meals. I was always more excited than the kids about the toys. Don't they drink before going out? Faith Goodman, thank you so much. Gen Z... Don't sign up to them. I'm not saying they're worse, but I think they're worse or better. I think this idea that Gen Z is done because it's nonsense, Faith. You've hit the nail on this. So, yeah, anyway, this is sobering thought. Not that sobering because I don't think it's true. A report in the UK's after dark entertainment scene found that, I love the Daily Star, boring Gen Zers prefer staying indoors. I think there's a cost thing. I think there's a cost thing. Hillary Daily boycott the dogs. Uh, I always tell them to skip the race horses, me too. Uh, Trina Cotton, sorry, Mark, if you was if you was rude the other morning when discussing theatre, you were asking for our opinions. Hey, I don't think you were rude at all, Trina. Not at all. Um, I just, I, I pulled this from because I don't agree. I just don't think they, they might not drink a chip lollipop. Everyone I know does. Brew what? Oh, look at this. Ban on walking through first class in case you spill rich people's tea. One of the food, um, one of the food uh, festivals, see him, I think. No one in there, and you're sort of thinking, I don't know what, I don't know anyone else. I just think, can't they just make all trains nice for everyone? I don't understand it. Anyway, standard train, class train passengers are being blocked from walking through first class carriages in case they spill water commuters. People have complained. Um, People have complained that as people pass through, knock over their tea. Oh, for God's sake. Nanny die in the room. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow, Mark. 
Uh, top 10 sounds we miss most. I love this. What's your favorite sound that you miss the most? These nostalgic noises on this. <coughs> this is great. Uh, it's a long one, isn't it? Friday quiz coming in two minutes. Um, number one of the sounds this is good. Your mom told you she regretted giving into pressure. Sure, she doesn't want to. Oh, sorry. Uh, not, number one, knocking a ringtone sounds we miss the most. Number two, typewriter keys clacking. I love this. Number three, this is a favorite of mine VHS tape being inserted into a video player. Because for me, I a video of E.T. And at that crucial moment, you know, E.T. screams and um, uh, Drew Barrymore's character, she screams, you know, they scream. Someone must have stood up in the cinema that it was filmed and the head was in the mouth. I think it came from Thailand or something. But the VHS, the top loading VHS player. Number four, the rotary phone dialing. Five cassette tapes being rewound. And sometimes in the 70s and 80s, dial up internet noise. That's a great one. Oh, that's next, writing user. A dial up modem connecting to the internet. Number seven, arcade game, coin slots, and game sounds. I like that. Eight, Nokia snake game. Nine, synthesizers and 80s pop songs. Ten, Polaroid camera taking a photo. That is a nice sound. It's a piece of sound. <coughs> I mean, yeah, I like all of those. We know the Daily Star is obsessed with farting, so I pulled this story up if you'd like it. It's Guff Justice. Giant farting horse versus yobs. Cops are putting... This is Dina's kind of horse. We've gone from Rishi and his fear that the extremists are going to destroy his lovely molly coddled cotswolds idyll to farting horses. These are maybe the horses he's going to use to combat extremism. Who knows? Cops are putting the wind up. Villains recruit, recruiting a giant horse legendary for its farting. Look at him. He knows he can fart. Standing six foot two inches tall, Trooper is the biggest nag in the history of Britain's police. Um, he's, he's the first choice against football hooligans. He's a big horse and he eats a lot of bulk food. You're riding along, says his owner, trainer, and he farts. It's like jet propulsion. Get that? You don't need to hit the gears with this horse. Trooper guffs and you shoot. Guff justice. Uh, I pulled this just because we all love twins, don't we? We always look at them and go, it's just always weird, isn't it? Twins. I don't know why. Is anyone here a twin? Morning. Good afternoon, Richard Grindley. Hope you're well, matey. Flip. Uh, I'm sure you've probably run three, five Ks in the time we've done this, haven't we? You're getting faster and faster. I think you're, you're like faster than the flash. Uh, double joy, double the joy. It's bad, isn't it? Because anyone here a twin? I used to, I used to find, I think I must have, I must have come across twins in various schools. And I, I'd be lying if I, it wasn't a microaggression, but whenever I saw, they'd always walk around together. And I, I, I kind of want to go over and ruffle things. Is that bad? I didn't want to harass them. I'd, I'd be like, no, separate. You know, like Gilbert and George, they, no, they're not twins. What am I talking about? Not twins at all. They act like twins. You know, this thing of, I mean, I mean, I think it would be odd. Oh, Hillary, Hillary Daly have twin grandchildren. 
Fun facts about identical twins, me too. They don't have the same fingerprints. Love that. I think it would be, I do find it curious when twins have been separated at birth and then they discover that they, like for this, for example, this story, this would be amazing if they had put those jumpers on on the same day in different parts of the world. Then I'd be like, the power of twins. But I, I always think they do it because they think it's funny. I don't find it funny. I find it a bit creepy. Just being honest. Any cinephiles here? Electric Dream is over. The oldest cinema in the UK shuts. Britain's oldest working cinema has closed for 150 years. Uh, it's a cinema in Birmingham. Uh, that's shut down. Bless them. Welcome to the electric. That's sad. No one could come in and, and rescue it. What a shame. Brilliant photo there of a pair of Jaguars. They're brothers, twins, apparently. And you can tell because they're both using their tongue in exactly the same way. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, I just wanted to post this because I just didn't realize that um, Kanye West was also a keen beekeeper. Uh, obviously, ever more outlandish outfits that his girlfriend uh, is wearing, but look, he's a sort of Jedi beekeeper. So let's quickly do the quiz of the week. Uh, where are Toffs and Peachy? They're here, they're just they're not on the sofa. Um, so quiz of the week. Come on, team. Let's do this rapidly, shall we? And my voice can, I can then go do a ginger tea. So quiz of the week. We didn't do it on Friday and we want to do it, don't we? You still want to, we still want to win. We want to be a winner. So Mary Poppins, the classic Disney film starring Julie Andrews, and it's age rating raised by the, by the British census because it features discriminatory language. Wow. Which character uses an archaic racial slur in Mary Poppins? Was it A, George Banks, B, Admiral Boom or C, Mr. Dawes Senior. <coughs> Mary Poppins had its rating raised due to a discriminatory uh, phrase used by which character? A. George Banks, B. Admiral Boom or C. Mr. Dawes Senior. Uh, it was indeed Truth Seeker 101. You seek the truth, you find the truth. As does Reese, Admiral Boom. Uh, question two: Former U.S. President Donald Trump. Oh, it'll be hard push to do that. I've got nothing in my mouth. My mouth is just a cat's anus. Um, former U.S. President Donald Trump continued his march towards Republican nomination after a convincing win over Nikki Haley, a woman in her home state of South Carolina. Which of the following lines did not feature in Mr. Trump's trademark victory speech? Which of these did he not say? Was it A, our country's going to be respected again, respected like never before? Or B, we're going to say, Joe, you're fired, get out, get out, Joe, you're fired? Or C, we've seen President Biden asleep at the wheel in the White House? Which of those did he not say? A, our country's going to be Respected again, respected like never before. B, we're going to say, Joe, you're fired. Get out, get out, Joe, you're fired. Or C, we've seen President Biden asleep at the wheel. He said the other two. He didn't say, he didn't say. What didn't he say? We've seen President Biden asleep at the wheel in the White House. He didn't say that. That's far too connected a sentence. That made too much sense. I'm finished in 10, Pooks. 
Question three, the German Parliament backed a new law to allow the recreational use of cannabis under the law over 18 will be allowed to possess substantial amounts of it, pretty big suitcases of it, but strict rules will make it difficult to buy. So you can have it, you can't buy it. Uh, which of the following is among the measures being introduced? A, cannabis social clubs will grow the drug for members to smoke on site. <clears throat> B, growing cannabis at home will be legal. Or C, licensed shops and pharmacies will be able to sell it. <clears throat> Which of those is among the measures being introduced? A, cannabis social clubs will grow the drug. B, growing cannabis at home will be legal. Or C, licensed shops and pharmacies will be able to sell it. Oh, YouTube saying social clubs. Vivi Gromack saying, see, got a really bad pain in my right buttock. Bum bums. I've got a pain in my bum bum. And it's not for that reason. It gets tired. I tell you, can I just say something right now? Old oh, Madam Chops isn't here. You all get me into trouble. You encourage me. I go there. And then I get in trouble. Apple crumble. It's B, growing cannabis at home. Legal. Question four, model Patty Boyd announced she would sell personal letters from her relationships with the guitarist Eric Clapton and Beatle George Harrison, as well as jewellery, clothes, photographs, items. Among the lots up for auction is a letter from Clapton written on a page of which literary work? A, of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, wonderful novella. Uh, B, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. I find her the most boring writer in the history of the English literature. No, I Lots of people love her. Or C, Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. In the front of which of those uh, model Patty Boyd have a little signature from Eric Clapton? Oh, Reese, you've got distracted, mate. I think you're all over the place. I think your last one was wrong. Oh, oh just give me, give me some space, mate. Oh. The answer is A, of mice and men. Question five, Namibia's Dan Nickel Lofty Eaton broke the record for the fastest century in 2020 cricket uh, with a 33-ball 100 against Nepal. Sorry, guys, sport and cricket. Which player held the record? A, West Indies' Chris Gale, B, Nepal's Kushal Mala, or C, England's Ben Stokes? Pure guesswork, I got it wrong. I said England's Ben Stokes, so don't say that one. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry for those of you on podcast. Uh, the answer is B, Nepal's Kushal Mala. Yeah. Question six. I'm amazed, actually, Richard Brindley. You could probably score the quickest hundred. Just need to go on a running machine with a bat and a gamba to just throw the ball at you. Look out of this part. Question six. China announced that it had finalized agreements to loan some of its beloved giant pandas to zoos in Spain and the United States. Pandas weren't asked, were they? How do the pandas feel about this? How do the pandas don't want to go to bloody Spain and the United States? In which US city will the new pandas live? Is it A, Atlanta, B, San Diego, or C, Washington, D.C.? I hope it's, I hope it's Washington, D.C., because then they can bring some sense and sanity to the White House. So A, Atlanta, B, San Diego, or C, Washington. Oh, I guessed, and I guessed right. I love it. I love a panda. I love the backs of pandas. I genuinely think they've had enough of this planet. I think they're desperate to become extinct. I think they're like, you stop saving us. We, you know, we can see what you're all heading towards. Let us go. Plus, have you ever tasted pandas? It's awful. Uh, the answer is B, San Diego. 
And finally, US-based Intuitive Machines became the first private company to successfully land a spacecraft on the moon when its Odysseus lander touched down. Another private US company will attempt to do the same later this year. From which cult sci-fi television series will it take its name? Is it A, Babylon 5, B, Firefly, or C, Stargate? Actually, the answer to this is a show that I've never watched, never really understood the appeal of, but maybe someone can clarify. Uh, A, Babylon 5, B, Firefly, or C, C, Stargate. The answer is Firefly. What is it with Firefly? What was Firefly? If I missed something? Um, I want to know who got seven. Did anyone guess? If you got seven, you are not only brilliant, but you're magnificent, and I just love you. I want to rub honey all over your forehead, encourage the bees to come and land, and we could commune with the bees and tell the bees that we love them. And all of us together can just kind of roll around a bit. When you roll around with honey on your forehead the last time I did it, you do get, if they freshly cut the grass, it does look like you have a green beard on your forehead, which isn't good. Faith Goodman, five out of seven. Bloody hell, that aqua aerobics worked for you, didn't it? Julie Hilton, five. Did you get the correct ones right? Reese Roberts, don't know, might be two or three, I think. Oh, mate. I think you might be on three. Allow yourself three. Richard Grindley just got A out of seven. Um, so guys well done well done faith i think that five is that's a good that's a good one five julia and five as well very good so no look sophie r got six sorry faith uh sorry yeah julie you've been trumped by sophie r she's the winner we're all losers i'm gonna go and rest my voice a kilo over over there suck on a lozenge eat a strepsil have a coffee and order some shit food joking all right guys have a lovely day lots of love um obviously this voice is dictating what may or may not be happening at what time tomorrow at the moment it might be a monday's station uh live um so lots of love and speaks oh and the thing nanny diet thing is going to be landing very soon have a lovely day guys